Good afternoon, Roto Bonners. Welcome to Draft Day. Pete Davidson back with the last pre-draft version of the Rotobomb podcast. Hope you guys have uh, enjoyed what we've done so far. Um, we're going to talk tight ends today. Um, and before I get going here, I just um, got some sad news uh, yesterday. Uh, and I just want to share it with you guys because it, 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 it matters actually with what we're about to do. Um, my partner in film, great friend of mine, my uncle, um, coach, who a lot of you guys have heard about a lot over the years, but some of you folks who are new to the podcast probably have never um, heard me mention him, but he's he's my film partner. He's the guy I watch film with all the time, and um, he's really the guy with the most football expertise in the operation because he was a college quarterback and a college coach uh, back in the day. And um, unfortunately, we, we lost somebody in my family um, yesterday to COVID and um, other things. Um, but coach's mother-in-law, uh, star died. And I just, um, you know, so coach and I haven't had a, a chance to sit down the last couple days and, and do the tight ends. You know, he was involved with all the other positions. And when I firm up the tight ends after the draft, I will certainly sit down with coach, but he's obviously not going to be around, uh, today. And, uh, you know, coach, I love you, man. And to Kathleen, my heart goes out to you. And, um, I think all the people who've been listening to this podcast over the years owe you a lot, man. I mean, we don't find John Brown without you <laughs> and, and a lot of other stuff. And, um, you know, that's it. But I just had to have to do a shout out. And, um, it, you know, it's, 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 you know, all of us New Yorkers, we've had a tough time. I mean, if you don't know somebody with COVID in New York, you probably just haven't been talking to all your friends. You, you probably do. You just don't know it. Um, and, um, well, I, I just wanted to mention that it, it's important to the people listening because look, I, these these tight ends. I'm going to give you the best I got with the time I had to go through it, um, but I always feel better when I have coach to sort of fall back on because I, I think tight ends specifically, especially tight ends who are two way tight ends, um, coach is better with blocking technique than I am. Um, but having said that, um, you know this is obviously a fantasy show, and. As always, I always put the emphasis on offensive potential when we're talking about these tight ends because obviously for fantasy purposes, that's you know really what matters. Now in some cases, we have guys whose blocking will keep them on the field, which will lead to opportunity that could be north of what their actual offensive skill set is. So obviously, you know, there's moving targets within the paradigm, but um, for the most part, we try to focus on the offensive skill set. And, you know, I've got 10 guys. We're going to go through the top 10 in reverse order like we've done with the other positions. Um, and, you know, there, there's there's a lot to like in this year's class. Now, is there anybody who just blew my mind? No. N nobody who just blew my mind. Um, you, you know, I mean, we've had some recent classes that were just crazy in terms of the athletes. Uh, but, you, you know, there's some, some nice talent in here. We'll, we'll, we'll get to all of it. This is going to be a short podcast. Um, I'm not going to do the sleepers today just because, again, that was something I wanted to go through with Coach. Um, it's one of our favorite things, actually, is going through the guys who aren't elite, who aren't going to be, you know, day one and two picks, um, but who we, re you know, we really still like quite a bit. Um, and I think maybe with that podcast, what I'll do, uh, if I get a chance to talk to Coach uh, sometime tomorrow, maybe I'll... I'll post it Saturday morning or Friday afternoon or something like that. Um, but still, there's a lot to talk about here. We're going to be here, I, I think, at least for 20 minutes or so. So uh, buckle up, grab a beverage, grab some coffee, whatever you got, um, and let's get to work. Uh, so again, we're going to be going through this in reverse order. 
Um, and uh, coming in at the 10 spot, a guy who's pretty much here just based on talent and upside, CJ uh, O'Grady. You know, who, you know, 6'4", 253, ran a 481, jumped 34 inches. Uh, you know, a lot of good stuff. Those are good tight end numbers, obviously. He's a, a real good athlete, but, you know, this is a guy with a DUI and another suspension. Plus, you know, he left the program early this season. I mean, those are three pretty, you know, significant red flags. Um, so, you know, we're talking about a risky proposition here, but one with upside. Um I will definitely do a deeper dive into O'Grady if he gets overdrafted based on our board. Uh, you know, but, but for Dynasty GMs, he's a name to know. He's got the Dynasty skill set, the fantasy skill set. Um, you know, but again, you know, having these kinds of issues for a guy who's over 23 years old, it, it's not great. I mean, if this guy was a you know, really young player, that'd be one thing. But you know, we expect more maturity out of guys who've been around this long. And, you know, but but the bottom line is you never know when someone's going to find, uh, as I like to say, find their football Jesus. And if this guy does, he, I mean, he's got a chance. So C.J. O'Grady, definitely a name to know. Um, and now we're getting, at, but once we get O'Grady off the board, most of the rest of these guys, I think, are, you know, legitimate guys who, you know, don't have a whole bunch of question marks, um, at least character-wise. Now, the next guy, Devin Aziazi, I'm not sure if I got that pronunciation just right, Um um, between 22 and 23 years old at UCLA, um, you know, he's sort of a, a, a squat 6'3", you know, he's 6'3", 257, um, uh, sort of a Charles Barkley kind of build. This is one of those guys with all kinds of natural strength. You cannot move this guy. Um, he's like a runaway truck once he gets um, the football in his hands. And, and he makes some nice catches. You know, he's got some body control to him. There's a lot of things to like about this kid. Um, I, I spent about... I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I spent about an hour watching him, and uh, normally I would spend more time, but um, his COVID has cut my film time. Um, but you know, this guy's just like a bow in the china shop. You know, um, he's a lot of fun to watch. If he can learn to control his weight, apparently he's been up and down with the weight, and that's been one of his things. Um, if this guy can either get to sort of his permanent weight, or could even attack his body type on some level, um, who knows what he might be able to do? So I think. Um, definitely a guy to know about. We'll see where he gets drafted. Um, we'll see if he gets drafted into a situation where there's some offensive upside. Uh, but definitely a guy that I think we need to know about, um, uh, Devin is. Uh, now the next guy is a guy where I think I'm a little higher on him than general consensus. Um, but uh, Thaddeus Moss, Randy's kid, uh, 22 years old out of LSU, 6'2", 250. Sort of an interesting body type for a tight end. Um and I, you know, like I said, I'm above consensus here. Uh, and it, look, I'm admittedly a fan of bloodlines. I, I mean, I think you, I, I think it's a mistake to ignore them. Uh, but having said that, you know, uh, far from an end-all be-all. You don't say, hey, the, you know, this guy's a moss, therefore he's good. It, it obviously doesn't work that way. Um, but, you know, talent does tend to get passed on. So um, you can see that this guy is a pretty good football player. He catches everything. Um, strong, uh, he, he plays the game hard. Um, you know, one interesting thing about him, you know, you know, he only played the one year at LSU, um, only 17 college games w with none in 2017 or 2018. Um, so, you know, the fact that he had a, an injury, came back this year uh, at 250 pounds, he could be a guy who gains a step as a pro. So don't discount the idea 
that he could be a little bit faster than we think, than the general consensus is. He could also drop 5, 10 pounds, for all we know, um, and still be a very effective blocker. So I, I just, I'm not sure that we fully know what kind of player Tadeus Moss is yet. Um, but look, he's at 8 in my rankings, obviously. Um, you know, he's not blowing me away or anything. But, um, you know, if he gets, if he gets you know, sent to the right team with a good quarterback, uh, who knows? Um, which brings me to another point, and I'll just address this point now before we get on uh, to number seven. You know, tight end is obviously a really tricky position to draft in Dynasty. It is uh, tends to be a longer developing position, although one thing that I have talked about, and this is something I believe, the trend to purely offensive tight ends, where teams will have an inline tight end and, you know, uh, a joker, whatever you want to call him, a big slot kind of guy, a move tight end, whatever. I do think that those move tight ends can sometimes buck that long curve uh, because they don't have as much to learn. It's it's learning two things at once that makes the tight end a slow curve position in the NFL. So if we if when we take the inline element out of a guy's development curve, it can it can get them there quicker. And I think Mark Andrews is a, a good example of that. Uh, in recent years. I mean, you know, anybody who thinks Mark Andrews is a tight end, you know, I got a bridge I want to sell you. He's a big receiver. Um, so to the extent that any of these guys end up falling into that category, you know, we we could have quicker ascension. But still, you know, even in a, a tight end premium dynasty league, and I'm in a lot of those, you, you can't think you're getting immediate returns when you buy tight ends. So you really want to do it with a long view. It's a position where there's a really good chance that their value will go down after their rookie year. So sometimes we don't even want to draft these guys. We want to target them a year or so into their career when we can get them uh, at a low cost. That's something I've been success. I've been able to do that successfully with guys like Zach Ertz uh, and Austin Hooper. Um, you know, tight end is a position where a guy can look you know, sort of mediocre for two or three years, and then all of a sudden be good, you know. Delaney Walker's an example, I suppose. Um, and this year, I think Hayden Hurst is going to be an example of that. So let's keep that in mind. We don't want to overdraft guys just because they have an offensive skill set, you know, but we want to know, you know. We want to know what the uh, what the skill set is. So next guy up, and I, I apologize, I cannot pronounce this guy's name, but um, Albert Owukabam, Owukabam, Bunam, um, 22 years old, out of Missouri, ran a blazing 449, 65, 258. I mean, on, you know, on the hoof, this guy's impressive, no doubt. Uh, but he's a tough guy to value because uh, the developmental curve for this guy could be a lot longer. I mean, look, you can say, you know, if he goes to a team like the Saints, they can find ways to scheme him the football, but therein lies the issue. Most of the stuff I saw of this guy on film, and I watched a fair amount, I need to watch more for sure. Uh, but I watched a fair amount, and it's, you know, a lot of scheme stuff, a lot of very direct routes, not a lot of nuance or wiggle, um, but fast, caught the ball pretty well, I have to say, um, and clearly is a guy who can, you know, pop in the seam. Um, if this guy goes to a team that can, you know, push him towards better technique, obviously, anytime you get a guy 6'5", close to 260, who runs, you know, 449, you know, that's an attention getter. And, um, you know, there's not a lot of separation between him and the next couple guys in terms of potential. And really, in terms of potential, this guy could, um, you know, end up being very close to the tippy top in this class. Draft will, you know, draft capital um, and then landing spot will have a lot to do with what we think of him. If a smart team, um, 
you know, drafts him high and it looks like they, they've got a lot of faith in him and that he's going to get a legitimate shot, then he's going to move up the board. I mean, if he goes to a team like Kansas City, obviously we want everybody to go to Kansas City, but the reason I'm mentioning Kansas City isn't just because it's a wonderful scheme, but, you know, we've got a coaching staff that knows what to do with speed and we've got a guy in Kelsey who, you know, isn't going to be around forever. You know, Travis Kelsey, as much as we love him, is getting older. Uh, and he's a guy who's got microfracture surgery in his past. So, you know, a situation like that, all of a sudden our ears are going to perk up quite a bit. Um, so this, you know, this, you know, the size and the speed is going to get this guy in the door. He's going to be on an NFL roster. Um, obviously, you know, the, the, the Chiefs would be a home run for most people, at least for the long term. Um, but, you know, what we want for this guy is a scheme, you know, like the Saints or the Bears, uh, where they want to use the, the tight end speed, not just as a receiver, but on pitches and things like that. On, um, you know, you know the way they use Trey Burton over the last couple of years when Trey Burton's healthy, this guy can do that kind of stuff. Um, so keep an eye on him. Um, moving into number six, and again, the next couple guys um, are very close. Um, and, you know, we could move these guys around. I'm definitely, the draft is definitely going to decide the ultimate order we put these guys in. Um, but the kid from Stanford, and he's young, which I like. 21.3 is a young tight end. Um, and, uh, you know, six foot seven. I'm talking about Colby Parkinson, by the way. Six foot seven. Um, you know, we're talking about a very long bodied kid here. He's, he's a hands catcher. Uh, he does a lot of things you like. He's really a pure receiving tight end. If you look at the way they used him, he lined up in the slot. He lined up all the way out wide quite often. Very rarely did I see him in line. So uh, this kid's got a pure receiver's makeup. Um, you know, and, and we love Stanford tight ends. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I have a comfort level when I know the kid played at Stanford because I know they coached the position well. I mean, along with, with, Con with, with Wisconsin and Notre Dame, uh, Stanford is one of my go-to schools for the position. Um, now, I think, you know, with Parkinson, I think the kid's going to play in the league. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, can he get to a level where he's a volume kind of tight end, where he could be in the tight end number one discussion? I You know, it's going to depend how, you know, is he is he twitchy enough for that? I'm not really sure. Uh, and I think that's sort of the magic question. But but this kid's going to play in the league. He's got that length. He's got the ball skills. He's going to be a red zone threat. Um, you know, but but how good he's going to be, you know, you know whether he's a, a role player or a lead dog, I think that's sort of up for grabs. And again, we've seen with these Stanford tight ends, um, and again, it could be different with this guy because he's more of a pure receiver than guys like Hooper or Ertz, even those guys are both receivers themselves. Um, you know, maybe he develops fast. Uh, this guy could sort of be like a poor man's Dallas Goddard or something like that. Uh, anyway, the fact that he's at number six just sort of shows you this is a class with some talent. Um, next guy on my board, we're up at number five now, is um, the kid out of Purdue. Um, 23 years old. 6'4", 245, ran a 4.66, and I'll tell you what, that speed shows up when you watch the film. Uh, I'm talking about Bryson Hopkins, uh, again, out of Purdue. He's got, certainly has the size from a receiver standpoint, a little bit light um, in terms of doing the heavy lifting, you know, 245, you know, most of your bruising tight ends are above 250 these days, but um, the thing I really like about this kid is the receiving element in his game. Um, I, I would say of all the tight ends I watched this year, I think I like Bryson Hopkins' release the best. Um, you know, he's real springy off the line, but but it doesn't end there. I mean, he's got advanced footwork. Um, 
you know, for a tight end. Um, he gets a nice early head turn on the ball. I mean, he's a receiver, a legit receiver, and he can get out of a break. I mean, he's got light feet in and out of his breaks. Um, you know, if when he's matched up against a safety or a linebacker, he is gaining separation out of his breaks consistently, um, has a good feel for the boundary. Um, you know, and the one thing that I've heard um, looking around at, at some other people's takes um, on him was that he dropped a lot of passes. Now, I watched five of his games and I didn't see any, you know, bad drops. There were a couple plays he didn't make, but only one of them I would, would I have actually called a drop. Um, I thought his game against uh, Wisconsin was a really, if you want to just go watch one game of him, I'd recommend the Wisconsin game. Um, so this is a kid I really like. Now the question's going to be, um, you know, the drops that I didn't witness, um, are they a thing? Um, I mean, it's sort of weird because I saw him making some catches where you wouldn't think this guy is a guy who has, um, you know, issues with his hands. He's making stretch catches and he's making away from the body catches to defend the football from um, from the DB. He's He's got some real awareness to him. Um, and he really looks like he could be a plus receiver at the next level. So um, this is a pretty, you know, deep class for plus prospects. You know, again, I don't see any absolute monsters that, you know, just right up the bat, but uh, this kid's right in the thick of it, and I'm really interested interested to see where he gets taken. This kid looks like he could play for the Patriots, if you ask me, for what it's worth. Um Although I don't know, are the Patriots the Patriots? And I don't know what the the, the you know the post Brady Patriot offense is going to look like. They may start tweaking it for their new quarterback. So we could be looking at a slightly different paradigm. But you know, based on the last you know based on history, uh, this guy would make a nice Patriot. Um, next up um, is a guy who gets a lot of buzz on the interwebs um, out of Dayton, 23 years old, 6'5", 255, ran a 480. Um, you know, that's a, a reasonably good time for a guy weighing 255 pounds. Um, talking about Adam Troutman. Um, just had a really good overall combine. Jumped well, uh, reasonably good on the bench, and, you know, put up a really good three-cone time for a tight end. Uh, now, this kid was a huge fish in a small pond at Dayton. There's no doubt. It was hard to get a feel for his game speed just watching the film. It was sort of like watching Moritz Bowringer a couple of years back. You know, that, that being said, he's long. He definitely has some speed. Um, he can get out of a break, not as well as Hopkins, but he can definitely get out of a break. Um, and he's got good-looking hands. And again, he's a guy who looks more receiver uh, than he does blocker, and we like that. Um, now, he's an older player, but, you know, he's from Dayton. Guys aren't going to leave Dayton early to go to the NFL. Um, and, you know, 23 for a tight end really isn't outside the norm. Tight ends tend to play all four years of college, often plus that redshirt year. So I, I'm not going to hold the age against him. Um, just the same thing with Hopkins and, um, let me see, those are actually the two oldest guys um, on my on my sheet, other than O'Grady. Uh, who we already talked about, uh, but you know Troutman is um, he's he's got some legit uh, appeal, and uh, he's another one where it'll be interesting to see where the NFL is willing to take him based on level of comp. Uh, if history is a guide, I think in that fourth round area might be a place for him. I think if he goes later in the draft, that's maybe a red flag. Um, but he's definitely a guy that I'm willing uh, to go after. 
you know, again, with all these tight ends, the, the, the question we have to ask ourselves in non-tight end premium is, do I have a roster spot to burn for the long haul for the tight end position? In some leagues, there's not enough upside in having depth at tight end where you want to do a lot of development, uh, de- you know, developmental spots. Um, but again, I play in a lot of leagues where the tight end premium scoring is, you know, strong um, and, and, and it's worth it if you've got the roster spots. Um, anyway... Next guy up on the board is Hunter Bryant out of Washington. Um, a lot of people really seem to like this guy. I was impressed. Uh, he's, he's, he's young, 21. Um, closer to 22 than 21. Um, a little short at 6'2". Um, 248, so he's definitely got some bulk to him. Ran a 4.74, so he's fast. Um, although not as fast as I thought, just based on the buzz that he had. He reminds me of Dustin Keller. Um old tight end for the Jets, who was a move tight end, um, would have had a long career if he hadn't completely montied his knee when he went to the Dolphins. Um, but he, Hunter Bryant reminds me of Dustin Keller, um, maybe a step slower, but probably a better overall player than Dustin Keller. Um, so Hunter Bryant, definitely, if he gets a landing spot where he's not behind some kind of stud, he's going to be one of the guys, I think, who's near the top of our list post-draft. Um, and then the next guy... Harrison Bryant, very interesting player. I, <laughs> you know, I heard comparisons to a lot of different guys before I got eyes on this player, and then I was a little bit sort of like, hmm, I didn't, I didn't really see all the comps to be honest. But I mean, this kid's a bruiser with the rock in his hands. They got him a lot of scheme touches, but I thought he looked good in his non-scheme touches as well. Um, you know, so he, he looked good out there pretty much all the time. Now, he's playing at Florida Atlantic. So, you know, he's playing a lot of schools where physically he's, you know, the dominant guy out there. So that's a factor. He's not going to have that same level um, of dominance, you know, when he goes to play on Sundays. Uh, that could be a factor for him just in terms of, you know, dominating. Um, but he's graded out as a plus blocker. Um, you know, I... I, I'm going to let Coach weigh in on that after the draft in terms of how good a blocker he is, but I've heard really good things about his blocking. I was focused more on his offensive traits, and he graded out pretty well there. Um, you know, had a tendency to body catch, but the, you know, when I saw him use his hands, I, I thought it looked pretty good. Uh, and what really makes this guy <laughs> impressive is what he can do after the catch. You know, there's uh, you know elements of Kittle, elements of Andrews, although I wouldn't put him on either one of those players' levels. Um, so, you know, Harrison Bryant, as long as the NFL likes him as much as the draft community, I think we've got something here. Uh, and again, another player who's uh, skewed towards offense, um, at least when you watch the film. Now, again, that a lot of that has to do with being at Florida Atlantic. And, you know, if he had played, if Harrison Bryant had played in the SEC, he might have done more blocking because they wouldn't have needed him to be as big time a receiver. And then uh, I might be looking at him a slightly different way. What I mean by that is I would have more more blocking to really watch. I watched, I think, four games of his, and I just didn't see him do that much blocking. Um, but again, what I saw was good. Um, so we're down to our number one guy now, and my number one guy's uh, uh, Cole Komet. Uh, now, what do we like about him? Two-way tight end, huge, six foot six, uh, 262 pounds, big mitts, um, and you know, he's still developing, you know, this is a kid who can put on more weight. This is a kid who, 
um, can develop his game even further. Uh, the routes are still getting better, but you know these tight end got these tight ends from Notre Dame. They they can play, man, um, and you know he's just massive, um, and you know I think a lot of people will probably hold the fact that he's going to be an inline guy against him, but if this guy develops all the way to the top of his game, uh, I think he could be as good as. You know, we'll just go with a tight end guy. I mean, he could be as good as a guy like uh, Kyle Rudolph down the line. Um, and the only reason Kyle Rudolph isn't a fantasy stud is because he plays on the wrong team. You know, I mean, if Kyle Rudolph was a Patriot, he'd be a fantasy staple. So I, I'm a believer that two, you know, two way tight ends can still be fantasy studs. Um, and the fact that this kid's only 21, um, you know, he could be coming into his prime at age 24, where he's just a year older than these guys are coming into the league, a lot of these guys. So, you know, I think for dynasty purposes, you can make arguments for really anybody probably in the top five or six over Komet because these guys could be pure receiving tight ends where Komet could be more of a two-way guy. Um, and you know what? I think when we go through the landing spots and when I go through these guys again with even a, a, you know, a finer tooth comb, you know, maybe that's where I end up um, on these guys. Uh, excuse me, uh, on Kumet. Um, but this is a deep class, man. I mean, like, I just went through 10 players, and I'll tell you, with the exception of O'Grady, I'm very interested in all these guys. Um, you know, landing spots going to have a lot to do with it. But, you know, landing spots with tight ends are tricky, right? Because the fact that it's a, a position that's often two, three, four, even five years on the developmental curve means that the scheme they're running now might not be the scheme that they're running when this guy hits. Um, the quarterback they have now might not be the quarterback when this guy hits. So it, 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 it probably is a position to not rely too heavy on landing spot, not too heavy on scheme, and you don't want to get too frustrated if there's a good tight end there already because, again, we're projecting down the line a lot of the times with tight ends. Um, so I'll definitely put more of a finer point on some of these guys after the draft, uh, but that's sort of where I'm at with these guys right now. Um, and you know, something else I didn't mention, going back to Coach for a second, um, Coach was on George Kittle before anybody on the planet that I saw. Um, and I, you know, a couple people have given me credit for, hey, you know, Rotobon was on George Kittle. Yeah, I was, but there's no way I'm on him the way I was if it wasn't for Coach, because he, he really said, you got to watch this Kittle guy, he's a beast. Um, and, you know, it's Kittle was the kind of guy where, you know, based on stats, there wasn't a lot to see. Uh, but when you watched him play, it was like, oh, my God. And we only had a handful of plays where we saw him catching the football, but you didn't need more than a handful of plays. Um, anyway, so that's another example of how important Coach is to my process. Um, so that's going to do it for the top 10 tight ends. Um, like I said, uh, I am going to come back and, um, you know, go through some of the guys who didn't make the top 10 cut. Um, you know, just a preview. We're going to talk about guys like Brian Edwards and Antonio Gibson, uh, Chase Claypool, Devin DuVernay, uh, Ty Johnson, um, Lynn Bowden, uh, people like that. We're going to, you know, just, just have some chats on those guys because I didn't really get deep into them uh, when I did the receivers because the top 10 was so strong. Um, and, and that's going to be a factor with this class, man. When we put together our rookie board, the top 50 in this year's class, I mean, there's going to be guys in that 40 to 50, in that 40 to 55 range where these guys are legit 
if you've been if you're in a deep dynasty league, these are going to be guys you really want. Um, so I, I think we're going to have a lot of fun over the next couple weeks. And hey, isn't that great? Because <laughs> I mean, who are we kidding? Like the world's a little short on fun these days. Uh, anyway, thanks to you guys for um, hanging in with these podcasts. I hope uh, you've enjoyed them. Uh, and uh, draft night tonight, so let's have some fun. And uh, I will be back either, I think, tomorrow or Saturday um, with a podcast. And we'll just go through, you know, it'll be one of those, hey, who are the guys you really love based on who's still uh, on the board? So uh, giddy up on that. Um, I'll see some of you guys on the uh, interwebs tonight. And uh, onward and upward. Scared while the